Niggas been counting me out, I'm counting my bullets, I'm loading my clips, I'm writing down names, I'm making a list, I'm checking it twice and I'm getting them hit. The real ones been dying, the fake ones is lit. The game is off balance, I'm back on my shit. The Bentley is dirty, my sneakers is dirty, but that's how I like it. You all on my dick, I'm all in my bag, it's hard as it get. I do not store powder, I might take a sip, I might hit the blunt, but I'm liable to trip. I ain't popping no pill, but you do as you wish. I roll with some fiends, fire I love track. Death. I oh, so good, feel, absolutely a fire track. J Cole's so fire. You know what? I'm not a big J Cole. Fan. Well, don't get me wrong. Like KOD could have used the feature too, but there were some fire tracks on that. This song is this song, just, Middle Child. It's pretty damn good. Don't know it. To go download it. Listen to it. Oh, it's it's fun. On repeat. Uh, this the video is pretty cool too. It is. I was watching a little bit of it. Anyways, uh, this is the Last Word Podcast, episode forty-one. By the way, oh, the Put, Aaron Sanchez getting, episode. We're getting close to actually the Paul Byron episode. Paul Byron's or Chris been, Sale? Cr- the who? belly button episode? No, the belly button episode. It might be the belly button episode. Anyway, uh, last word podcast. I am Angela Lippa. I'm Steve Artabella. And wherever you are listening, whether it be on uh, Apple iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, we hope you have subscribed. Enjoy these podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. We'd appreciate you if you did. And, yeah, we talk all things sports, including we're going to touch on some things. we got... NHL playoffs, the draft lottery, um, some uh, a stepping down, a, ret- a couple of retirements. A couple of goats riding and, off into the sunset. And we will start actually with uh, some NCAA basketball. We've talked a little bit about this. The conclusion to um, the men's basketball tournament, the March, end, Madness. March Madness, as everyone has referred to it as, came to a conclusion with number one, Virginia, defeating the Texas Tech Red Raiders 85-77 in an OT game. A real thrill, a real snooze fest at like the first like yeah. five minutes of the game. Well, it was two heavily defensively oriented mm-hmm. teams, and then they picked it up in the second half and then into the overtime. Yeah. And it's a great story because you had Virginia, the number one overall seed last <laughs> year, and they lose to a 16 for the first time in history at U- in UMBC. But they were missing their best player in mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter, and then he's back this year, and he had 27 points in the final and was dominant this entire run. Mm-hmm. Very unique story. A very like for they were, I believe, the first team to be eliminated in the first round yep. the previous year and then win the championship the following year. Uh this is the first title, I believe, for Virginia. It is. And this was the first time actually since a man we'll be talking about very shortly, uh, Magic Johnson and his Michigan State uh Spartans team. Oh yeah. That took down on Indiana State, State and Larry, Larry Bird. Bird. This was the first time that this was two first timers matching up since then. So imagine the the long history of this tournament and how long that has to go back. So uh Virginia comes through, wins the game. Not much else. It's it's they're a number one team. A lot of people are like, oh, they had a lot of luck and, and in this tournament. They did, because that the the foul on guy that might not have been a foul. Yeah. Even the shot, the the corner three by DeAndre Hunter that essentially got them into overtime. Mm-hmm. Everyone crashed down on the ball handler when you probably should have covered the guy who was wide open in the corner for three, mm-hmm. which allowed this to continue, and it eventually led to a Virginia yeah. win. So they had they had some moments, but, I mean, you don't win any sort of championship without moments like no. that. You need you, a little like, bit of luck. Just just because of the Stanley Cup playoffs, let's, let's bring up the Washington Capitals and being down 2-0 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then in overtime, the Blue Jackets hit a post. You need luck. 
It's it, it, every the, championship yeah. has at least one of these moments. The Lawrence guy three where he gets fouled mm-hmm. in the corner for the three shots to win yeah. the game before the. You don't have championship runs without moments yeah. like this. Hell, the Patriots run was started on the tuck rule. Yeah. Steelers run. <laughs> Steelers first run was started on the immaculate reception. Like well, people still don't know if Ben. Remember the 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 QB sneak against the the Seahawks, oh, yeah. and people still don't think that Ben crossed the. There's there's moments like this. Yeah. It, I, you could pull it out of there's, any championship there, run. There's always going to be moments like this, and luck is a part of it. Every team has it. And Joe Quenville said one time that good teams always make their own luck, yeah. and and I believe that because if you notice, the good teams always get. A lucky break here and there. They get something to fall the right way. They hit the post the right way. The shot bounces in for them. It's the way it is. Virginia was a number one team. It wasn't like they were a number sixty, uh, number fifteen or sixteen seed. Yeah, just flying through the tournament with this all this luck. This is a good team. That, like the like DeAndre Hunter all year. DeAndre Hunter is a lottery pick. Yeah. Lawrence guy's gonna get drafted because he can shoot. Like mm-hmm. they have guys that are gonna go to the NBA. You mean Kyle guy? Kyle guy. Sorry, Lawrence guy. Lawrence, Lawrence guy's guy. actually a defensive end in the NFL. Yeah, I'm like Lawrence. I don't guy know why like... I keep. And Lawrence guy and Kyle guy look a lot different. Yeah, Kyle guy's a skinny white dude. Lawrence guy, I'm pretty sure, is 330 pounds. Yes, but <laughs> he's a big man. This, you know, a team that only lost three games all year. You lose three games all year. That ain't by fluke. I'm sorry. Exactly. That's, that's They're not a good a, team. Tony yeah. Bennett's a good coach. Yeah. You. you they got unlucky against UMBC mm-hmm. and the redemption story. It's great. It's a great redemption story, and congratulations to the Virginia Cavaliers. On to other news. Oh, baby. Speaking of uh, Magic Johnson, <laughs> uh, he stepped down as Lakers president yesterday, which was Tuesday, April the 9th. Today is Wednesday, April the 10th. We're a little late because of some scheduling conflicts. Had a meeting. Had a meeting and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, Magic Johnson officially stepping down as Lakers president. And the way that he did it, though. Man that was afraid to fire the coach. That's what it was. Well, he hasn't talked. There was the reports that they have. He hasn't talked to Luke Walton, the coaching staff, in over a month. And the uh, the coaching staff also believes that they're all going to be fired when the Lakers season comes to a um, well, you would have to unceremonious ass- end. Put it this way: Magic held a press conference and quit. He didn't tell his boss. He didn't tell Jeannie Bus. He was afraid to tell Jeannie Bus, which is why he had the press conference. Yeah. Well, think about that for a second. For for any for you listening, this wonderful podcast right now. Imagine if you decided to quit your job by posting it on Twitter. Because that's essentially, because, I mean, we can't have press conferences, me and Angelo. I mean, if I had a press conference to tell Angelo I was quitting, I'm pretty sure he'd wonder how I got a press conference. But if I threw it on Twitter and just stopped coming to work, because that's kind of what Magic did. Because he has the the ability to have a press conference, but he basically just threw it out there and told his boss without telling them directly, hey, by the way, I'm out. Well, for Magic, his time as Lakers president... Which started on February of 2017. He has a total record of 79 and 108. He his key trades have been uh, acquiring Reggie Bullock and <laughs> Mike Muscala. And both of them play for different teams. Uh, trading away Ivica, Ivica, whatever Ivica Zubac, and trading to the Clippers. By the way, for nothing. And then the uh, uh, he had to do it, but trading away D'Angelo Russell 
for Brooke Lopez. How's that working? Who uh, also isn't there, who they bought out, yeah. by the way. Um, he has drafted one Lonzo Ball, Tony Bradley, Mortiz Wagner. and Oh, Moritz Wagner. Moritz Wagner and uh, Mike Hulik, or whatever the hell his name is. Oh, Simi. Svi, that's it. Whatever you call it. No, no, Svi. Sorry, Svi. Svi. S V I. Yeah, Svi. And because yeah, his name now, is now. Don't forget insane. Kyle Kuzma, but I don't, they don't have Kyle Kuzma here. You get lucky enough. You get lucky sometimes. And his well, like, technically, Magic didn't draft any of these guys since he's the president. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and his key signings: Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo. Put it this way: LeBron, and then LeBron James. Now, good thing for LeBron is that he's a coach killer and Luke Walton's about to get his ass fired. And I'm sure next week we'll be talking about Luke Walton being fired. And the entire coaching staff. And the entire coaching staff. And um, I don't know. Let's see. There was a talk that Jason Kidd might be the new. There's another guy who used to be bossed around by LeBron James. Yeah, Tyron Lue, who happens to be a former Laker. Former Laker. Although his Laker moment getting stepped over by Allen Iverson. I mean, granted, you got a ring from that. But that was one of the most disrespectful moments in sports history. It is the most disrespectful moment in sports history. (laughs) If you don't know what we're talking about, Google Ty or Allen Iverson. Step over. Step over. Ty It's It's amazing. But for the Lakers and for Magic, he actually goes down a path of a certain, another, another legend we happened to mention, Larry Bird. Larry Bird was in Indiana for a long time. Had more success. I was about to say Indiana made the playoffs consistently. But nothing to show for anything. No chance. Didn't bring a championship to LA other than, you know, or well when he played, but you know, like Larry Bird. Not in the front office. Not in the front office. And sometimes these superstar players, they're not very good. Gretzky was a bad coach. Magic's not a good okay. president of baseball. You know what's actually funny? You know the, the most Being notable a- thing that Magic did, other than LeBron? He's getting fined because he didn't know how to not tamper. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> I, I, a word of advice, and I'm the wrong person to be giving financial or, or just advice in general <laughs> to these superstar players and Hall of Famers. Be owners. Yeah. Just be an owner. Although, although that would probably work out just as badly. Let someone else handle. Now the difference is you'd have money. You, you, you have the money, and let someone else handle the basketball operations. I find good <laughs> basketball people, and it all it it's might be work hilarious out. When, be when, Mario Lemieux when LeBron does this though. Yeah, because look at the teams Jordan's owned: G- Washington like, Wizards, the Charlotte Bobcats, and now Hornets. the Hornets. So like you know LeBron is gonna buy a team. Oh no, I know he's gonna buy a team. It'll be. It's funny. Everyone seems to think he's gonna buy the Cavs from Dan Gilbert. But Dan Gilbert's got too much money and. Kind of holds a grudge. Kind of. <laughs> so LeBron should hold a grudge for that note that day. That was yeah, the whiskey stain. Yeah, like, it's just a disaster. That was an embarrassment. Yeah. You want to talk about an embarrassment? But an unceremonial. Eugene Melnick is laughing at that moment. Let's yeah. just put it this way. Yeah, that's the last guy should be laughing. Uh, but Magic's time with the Lakers comes to an unceremonious end. And now they will have to find a new person, much like they have to find a new coach and all that. You know what's funny? Just maybe a new team. And like, think about new team. When you mentioned that, remember all the excitement because the Lakers were going to get Paul George. They got LeBron. They were going to get Kawhi. Maybe Anthony Davis. Boogie Cousins. Super team. How's that working out? Not very good. L.A. Where (laughs) careers go to die. Yeah. Now especially. Think about one proud franchise. They're looking like a big joke. 
<laughs> Big time joke. They're an embarrassment. They're the second best team in LA. Yeah. They're actually they're actually the team that was trying to win. And the Clippers were the team that were trying to lose. And look what happened. And this is what happened. And the Clippers sold off going into the yeah. deadline. They sold their best player. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Anyways, on to more basketball news. More positive basketball More positive news. basketball news. Sad basketball news, though. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Um, we knew about Dwayne Wade. He played his final game in Miami um, last night, April the 9th. The 13-time, All- 13-time All-Star, three-time NBA champ, three-time All-Defensive. Uh, where was he? Eight-time All-NBA. Clearly better than Paul Pierce. Finals MVP. Much better than Paul Pierce. I don't know what Paul Pierce is smoking, but he needs to make Paul Pierce, the second he got this job on TV, has had the hot... like His takes are hotter than the face of the sun. Like, Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless seem like sane individuals when they let Paul Pierce talk. However, if you want some great comedy, just listen to Jalen Rose listing off Dwayne Wade's career accomplishments with Michelle Beadle in the background... With some excellent, just little, just little ad libs here and there. They're fire. Just letting, just letting it sink into Paul Pierce. How much better Dwayne Wade was than he was. Oh, I don't even know why. I understand like Paul Pierce is, you know, just wanting to go off, but you know, you have one NBA championship, one. Well, he was and also you had talking. A, and you that were was the, the first super team. He was talking. He's like, well, "Give me Shaq in his prime. Give me LeBron." It's like, yeah, they gave you Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. Like, what are you talking about? So Paul Pierce is the last guy to be talking about. Not to about. mention, let's also remember Paul Pierce. If we really want to get down this, this rabbit hole, let's remember when Paul Pierce faked that knee injury in the championship. When he got carried into his, he got carried off the court, put onto a wheelchair, and wheeled into the back. Don't look and, then, at me. and then 10 no. minutes later, Don't he, look at he, me. 10 minutes later, he's completely fine. You're telling me he was actually hurt? Everyone know he faked it. It's exactly like Kurt Schilling and the bullshit blood. Get the fuck out of here, Paul Pierce. The truth. That's some bullshit. I don't trust Paul Pierce. I never liked Paul Pierce anyway. No. He's from Boston. You, you could you won one championship in Boston. By yourself, you couldn't do nothing. So mm. but anyways, You're uh, bad. Dwayne Wade was Miami. Embraced the city, embraced Flash. everything. Um some of the stuff leading up to it was great. I don't know oh, if man, I don't know yeah. if you saw the Budweiser commercial of all the the people he might have helped along the way, giving them jerseys, which is amazing moment. Oh yeah. Uh he retires. He had that one brief stint in Chicago and Cleveland. We won't talk about those for whatever reason. But he went home to Chicago. He went home to Chicago. I'll give him that. Like trying to, you know. Yeah. Then he went to Cleveland because he was with his buddy LeBron yeah. chasing a ring. Which, to be honest, that made a lot of sense. Yeah, but uh, ending his career in Miami the proper way, exactly the way to go for the future Hall of Famer. Uh, no doubt about it. Anyone that you know for a man who, where is it? His career, he averaged 22 points, 4.7 rebounds, 5.5 assists, field goal percentage of 48%. The funny thing with Dwayne Wade, too, people forget, after that championship with Shaq, mm-hmm. he had a lot of shoulder injuries. Yeah. Like, there was a time there with Dwayne Wade, it was like, uh-oh. You know what I mean? We, yeah. It could have been Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. Won a cha- like, Derrick Rose didn't win a championship, but this was a dude. This was a, a, a first-team All-NBA superstar Wins a championship with Shaq, where he really won that championship. Shaq mm-hmm. was the second, the secondary player to Dwayne Wade in those yeah. in that championship run. And then it looked for a while like we don't know how much longer he's going to play yeah. with those shoulder injuries. It was coming out all the time. LeBron goes down there, Bosch goes down there, 
Wade gets right, mm-hmm. and he had a, a whole. There's a, there's a reason why half. he was the Finals MVP that year. There's a re- and he's a three-time All Defensive Player in the NBA, which is he has. I don't know if he has the most or if it's the top three in blocks for. Sure. I think he has the most blocks by a shooting guard in NBA history. Wow. Well, and, and it's funny because I was talking about someone who works with us, Nick. We were talking about the tie, like the because it's funny when you think about Dwayne Wade. You actually remember a lot of those blocks, and I don't know mm. if there was any guard that was better on stopping someone before they were about to just throw down a monstrous stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, back scratcher, balls all the way back, and then Dwayne Wade, it was the the, the block from behind. The, the hand would just come up behind, above the ball as they were coming through to dunk, yeah. and no more guys dunked on the rim without a ball mm. than guys Dwayne Wade blocked. Yeah. The Amari Stoudemire mm-hmm. one, too, is just, I remember it vividly. It was phenomenal. Amari Stoudemire is almost seven feet tall, yeah. and at that time was one of the best players in the NBA, and Dwayne Wade just punked him hard. That's what happens. And for another future Hall of Famer, who paved the way for European players, I'd say. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Dirk Nowinski, he officially announced last night as well. Uh, it was playing his final game. He was retiring at the end of the season, the 14-time All-Star, 12-time All-NBA, so happy the 06-07 MVP, won a championship, and also was a finals MVP in that 2010-2011 season. So happy about that, too. Um, Dallas Mavic through and through. Nothing ever changed about him. Uh the, the one of the first stretch fours ever. Yeah, in a time where that wasn't a thing you did, yeah. and really, like he's just class act too. That's the other thing too about a, a Dirk is that oh yeah, class act. And now he's paved the well, he paved the way and and stayed on the team for one season to hand the torch over to the young superstar that Luka they drafted. Yeah. Oh, and the one that they traded for in Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, where there wouldn't be a place for Kristaps if there wasn't a Dirk. Who came exactly. Before. And you think of it, it, the best thing for him was was winning that championship because for how long were the Mavericks always that number one, number two seed? And him and bounce. Steve Nash crushing shit, and yeah. then Nash gets traded to Phoenix. Phoenix goes on their run. Mm-hmm. Dallas is still a really good team, mm-hmm. and then it's funny they win that championship with him and Jason Kidd. They they took all the Jason veterans Kidd, and went Jason, on one last ride. Jason Terry, Richard Jefferson, oh, like that team. I remember just Jason Terry always hitting a big three. Oh, what in the in every series they were in, he hit a big three and for Jason them. Jason Kidd just smoothly running point. Oh, and JJ Barea was uh, that playoff run. JJ yeah. Barea looked like the second coming of John Stockton. And you it was to, ridiculous. And you, have to, and you have to remember too was that they beat the first year of that Miami, what was somewhat of a dynasty with with the aforementioned Dean Bosch. Wade and Bosch and and thing and and uh, Chris like Bosch and all Dwayne those Casey's guys. coming out party with the zone defense that shut down LeBron yeah. that made LeBron kick that pass out to Bosch that mm-hmm. Bosch missed when LeBron should have been taking the game winner there. Although but, without that championship, you maybe don't get the evolution of LeBron. That step he past that. with like because there was because the there was no he, hated more per, there well, was that he's, season he's a choker he's not a winner he's not a champion well and then you saw the evolution of LeBron to the point where it's just like uh, not only am I clutch I am the thing deadly. was that for that playoff run there was no more hated player amongst fans in the NBA than LeBron because of the stunt he pulled of the decision. Going down to Miami with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, really the second super team, the, the real big, uh, a real big three after Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, 
and they LeBron needed to lose, like properly need to lose because losing with the Cavs teams that they were well, it was like, him dragging a bunch of corpses to the finals. Yeah, so. so it doesn't really like you know that's that's always going to be like that was one thing for LeBron when he lost to this this Dallas team that was a big letdown for them because they were supposed to win. And the Dallas team wasn't supposed. That wasn't no, the best they, Dallas team that they'd had. No. That was the thing. They were just in the right place at the right time with the right assembly and, of players. And not to and mention, they got it. Dirk was already everyone loved Dirk. That was mm-hmm. the thing. Dirk was always already a beloved character yeah. in the NBA. But considering the amount of hate that LeBron had generated, because people, it's funny, people hate LeBron. People, Skip Bayless made a career off of hating LeBron. But people forget this was when it was at its absolute. Peak. Yeah. And Dirk was the good guy that everyone loved. It was really a good versus evil kind. Of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people like it was big for Dirk to find. He was it just pushed him over the over the top too for that level of beloved because he did mm-hmm. what everyone wanted. Everyone wanted to see LeBron lose. And now like I I've said this many times. LeBron's the best basketball player I've ever seen mm-hmm. play because I saw Jordan play with, with the Wizards and that shit doesn't count. But at that moment, he was the biggest villain you could have had in basketball and here comes Dirk the guy everyone loves getting the championship that he'd waited for for so long it was so perfect and then it also started like the redemption where everyone started to realize okay LeBron's well not everyone but most people started Mm -hmm. to realize LeBron's actually not that bad of a guy he was 24 never went to barely went to high school never went to college and had the ability to choose to go to South Beach now that I'm older, I can tell you I would have gone to South Beach. <laughs> I'd do it too. I would do it too. So especially Akron to South Beach. Well, I was in Cleveland, which is he lived in Akron, which is just outside of Cleveland. Just, it's like living in Woodbridge. Just, <laughs> just remember for the Raptors. Just remember one thing: Cleveland is forever. It'll be a brown stain on the American. Yeah, they underwear. won a championship. LeBron yeah. bought a championship yeah, to Cleveland. LeBron, LeBron, but LeBron's gone now. Yeah, LeBron's in LA, but now he's uh, going to deal with that mess. Yeah, but uh, congratulations to Mr. Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowinski. Retirement well deserved. Fun fact: there's only one player remaining that was drafted in the '90s, and I don't want to say I want to see a reunion in Toronto, but I wouldn't oh. mind seeing a reunion in Toronto of one Vince Carter. In the Wait tr- a second, he's the only one. Jamal Crawford wasn't born in that. Jamal Crawford's gone too this year. He's another one. He dropped 51, and oh that's man, his, so that's why. So. Vince Carter is officially the last player drafted in the 90s. And that's if Currently, he comes back. He's coming back one more year. Yeah, he's coming back to, one more year. Look, it seems to look like he One is. more year to the Toronto Raptors. Make it happen. Uh, on to the – well, actually, sorry. I'm going to divert here. Uh, I didn't mention this to Stephen, but I wanted to talk about a certain player named uh, Mr. Big Chest. You've oh, heard, no, we talked about this yesterday. You've heard me mention no, 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 him a we, couple of times. We talked about this yesterday, and it's fine. It's Oh, it's fine. All right. Mr. Big Chest – Something is up in that brain. He is, I'll put it to you this way. When you go through a divorce or a breakup, and there's always one person that really just is ups- is going to be upset and always going to be telling you, no, I'm better than you. I'm better off without you. And you're on social media and you're on all these things saying I'm better off and blah, blah, blah. But then you, you go at Juju Smith-Schuster from your old team and you start bashing him after a trade. Any of it. like it's, it's so, so beyond the pale. And it's funny because I stopped following Antonio Brown on Instagram and Twitter. So whatever information is ever given to me, it's through these other sources like Sports Illustrated and ESPN. And to see that, and I'm like, 
It's uh, like you can't even. The funny thing is, too, is you can take a direct comparison for another guy that left Pittsburgh on not the best terms. Le'Veon Bell. He actually happened. I don't know if this was. I don't know if it happened directly after, or if it happened earlier in the it season, ha- and someone posted it again. No, no, it happened directly. So this text message that was sent by James Conner to Le'Veon Bell to just say, "Hey, I just don't want anything to be like out there that you know this like all that bullshit like the no, media's exactly. social media is crazy and it brings out weird the the worst in people sometimes." But just wanted to tell you, you know, you know that I respected you. You know, didn't want to see you go. All that crap. Happy that you got your your money. Yeah. You know, and all the and that's, ba- and, and that's ball. a teammate. That's a teammate. And like those two were directly competing for not not just playing time yeah. for money. Yeah. James Conner is not going to get paid if he's not a starter. Exactly. Le'Veon Bell is going to get paid less if James Conner yeah. ate into his carries, but Le'Veon Bell didn't play. And there's still that respect there. Yeah. And I remember week one when James Conner was going off, and during even part throughout throughout part of the season, Le'Veon was tweeting while watching Steeler games about that James Conner was balling out. Was nothing negative about James Conner. What happened with him and and this Steelers, is someone who's directly affecting his paycheck. Yeah, and and <laughs> for someone who was, it was he wasn't at odds with his teammates. He wasn't at odds with the guy who was taking over for him. He was at odds just more with the general manager. No, nah, him was, and the offensive line got into it a little bit. Him and the, but the offensive line is because he lied to the offensive line, telling him, saying, telling the offensive line, "Hey, I'm going to be there. I'll be there week one. Trust me, I'm there." And when he doesn't show up, that's why they went after him. That's I, I read more into that, but his beef was and gripe was with management yeah. due to pay, and that's fine. Nothing to do with team. This Antonio Brown situation is like. You're going after somebody. He's you're got saying, a problem with everyone. And it's funny because he—it was like he was bashing him because uh, you know he had a costly. He had the fumble on on the drive that the you know to try and go up to get to tie the game. The Pittsburgh lost a shootout to Hall of Fame quarterback. I'd also like and it was to point a great game. It was yeah, the best game of the NFL season. Juju probably. might have fumbled that ball, but you know Juju was dressed for the game. Yeah, Juju was there. <laughs> Juju was there like, in Week 17. What the he didn't leave. He didn't abandon his teammates. And this further goes to that notion, that 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 theory that Antonio Brown was jealous of Juju Smith-Schuster, that he had a problem. It's pretty obvious. It's, it's, it's so clear now. And you can be – Antonio Brown, the next day you can try and post pictures with you playing football with your kids. That doesn't make up for your idiot post. I would also like to point out that Antonio Brown is over 30 years old. Grown man. Juju's one of the rare teenagers that made the NFL because of the way his birthday was. He got drafted at 19. Yeah. Juju's, he might have just turned 21. I think so. How is he more mature? He's a decade younger than Antonio Brown. I wish I knew. I wish I had answers. I don't get it. But Not to mention that the, the, the DM that Antonio the Brown DM, posts it makes, it's doesn't like, even make Juju look better. Better. It's like, hey, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get information. Yeah. I'm trying to get some some tips from one of the best receivers in the game. I'm sure. I don't know DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones wouldn't do that to you. I'm I'm sure if Calvin really maybe because being from Alabama and all those oh, those two are apparently like because of the Alabama thing they're already like yeah. yeah. So I would assume that at some point maybe in his first year well, at Alabama and not only just that but Julio had Roddy White do that to him yeah. and Roddy White didn't have to and Julio like Julio has talked about what yeah. Roddy White actually taking him under his wing mm-hmm. meant to him and that's wh- Look, why he's gonna be who he is 
the, Calvin Ridley. Like it, the, tor- <laughs> the, the torch is supposed to be always passed to the next guy. Okay, and certain play Antonio had a, an opportunity to do that, and now, look, at the end of the day, I think Antonio Brown has hurt his Steelers' legacy. There'll be a black mark forever because now people will always remember this as Antonio Brown being a little baby about it, and there are there are people who say, oh, you're, you're taking the Steelers' side, and I'm like, well, I'm going to take the Steelers' side. One, I'm a Steelers fan, but two, I'm like, go look at the craziness that this is. This, is, this has been for a couple of months now, and it's... Well, <laughs> I'm not a Steelers fan in any way, shape, or form. Mm. You know whose side I'm on here? Juju's. Like, when he's taking shots at Ben and Tomlin, I could kind of understand that. There's lots of stories about Ben not being a nice person, being a shitty human being and hard to get along with. There's plenty of, like, obvious... Mike Tomlin allowed his best player not to show up. He just didn't show up. No, no, but you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't get... Where does that happen in the NFL? It happens with diva wide receiver. No, no, but you know what I mean. Like, I so I could get, I could get that. I can't defend this, and then this makes everything else look crazier. Because it's like I could kind of defend the, the, the Ben there, kind of defend the Tomlin thing. Now it's like, well, now I don't know if I can defend that because now I like if you're gonna attack like what seems to be the nicest, like well-adjusted. And if you look into Juju's backstory, for those who don't know, again, I'm not even a huge Steelers fan, but this is a dude who like. His actual biological dad wasn't around. The reason he's Juju Smith-Schuster is because of his, his his stepdad who basically took care of him. This is a kid who slept on concrete floors and then had, you know, when the new father came into his mom's life, took care of him. Like, he wanted to show the appreciation, so he took his last... Like, the kid seems to be just genuinely a really good person. So, like, I can understand when you're taking shots at people that don't seem like good people, but how? How? I don't get it. Two things. One, that you do this and it it doesn't look good with your new (laughs) team especially. You've been traded. You got everything you wanted. Everything's been done. Why are you still on this? You got everything. Maybe he's upset about one person canceling his radio show in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger canceled. Ben Roethlisberger canceled his radio show in Pittsburgh. Yeah, maybe he's upset that he didn't. Do, that now teammates aren't going to get called. He's maybe I don't know. I can't explain a man with a gold mustache and one blue dreadlock. That was a really interesting. Yeah. Phase. So, good luck, Oakland. Diva wide receivers. Yeah, talent is great, but sometimes. I want to see what happens in that locker room. I don't get it. I wonder what Vontaze... I want to see... No, no. We talk, wait, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Hang Before on, even Vontaze, perfect. Remember when I talked to you about John Gruden's history with wide receivers? Outspoken wide receivers? Okay? Keyshawn Johnson, Kendall McCardell. These are things that happened. Okay? I don't think either of them has a personality even close to AB. Just know one thing. The bad teammate that, that Antonio Brown was bashing literally knocked out someone who knocked out Antonio Brown out of a playoff game. Never forget. And then, and then the funny thing was he tried to apologize it because he realized what he had did was wrong. The standing over him and mocking him even though he had concussed him. And you know who was in the background screaming, what was it, payback? Or it was justice. It was something justice. like that. Just over and over again. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Yeah. And Juju was, again, the child. Because Juju was 19 at that point. Yeah. 
The child realized, like, in comparison, he's not actually a child. He's a grown man at 19. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, comparatively, he's the one who realized what he had done was wrong. Good luck. You're going to need it. Don't get it. Neither do I. Um, <laughs> on to the NHL. We're going to dive full in. I gotta, we got to mention this because I forgot to talk to you about this, but uh, Joe Quenville was hired by yes. the Florida Panthers. Me and Steven. Excellent hire for the Florida Panthers. Excellent hire. Dale Talon reuniting. Just, I just have one thing to say about old men who go down to Florida. <laughs> Typically, the want is usually not there. Oh, I, uh, look. For he's caking too. Oh, he's making he's making bank. somewhere between six the, and so seven million, like, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not going to say that Joe Quenville is just going to roll over, and but I don't know how this is going to end. They need a goalie. They need a goalie. They and, need goalie Bob. And but then they also need Bobby Lou to go to Robita Island. Yeah, so they got a lot of moving. pieces. Yeah, a lot of moving pieces, and I don't think it's going to go as planned. And look, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't think this is going to end well. I think Joe Quenville's a, a really good coach. But if you just call it a career and you become an, air quotes I'm using here, advisor to teams, it might be the best move after you've won your three Stanley Cups. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't think he wanted to get out of it to begin with, and he was fired, and you know he wanted back in. The reason he was fired in, in, in Chicago was because he didn't want to adapt. He wanted to, to the new system, to the young guys. Well, him and... Him and Stan Bowman never got along. Yeah. Like, there was every year there was a rumor that he was going to fire Quenville, even when they were winning Stanley Cups. Okay? Because he was Stan Bowman. Quenville was never Stan Bowman's guy. He was hired by Dale Talon. Yeah. Funny enough, the man who hires him in Florida. But that's who hired him. Yeah. He was never Stan Bowman's guy at any point. Mm-hmm. And Stan didn't like him, and they didn't get along. But you know what? They won championships, so they stuck together. Winning solves everything. But, uh, yeah. I don't, but I don't think this is going to end well. I personally look. I think Florida Florida is just a one line team. The only with way this ends well. Behind the them. only way it ends well is if they get a goalie. They won't get a goalie. That's the only way this ends because, well. Because if they don't, because I have a surprise for you when we do our our picks here, and it involves a certain Canadian team that's going to be looking for a goalie as well, and they're probably going to go for broke. And they'll, they'll they'll get it over over thing because really, what's in Florida other than Barkov and Huberto? Ekblad isn't very, is it, Ekblad hasn't lived up to his billing. No. And what else? Trocheck's great when he's healthy. Yeah. He's just never healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and I use great very. You use you use great a lot. I don't use great. He's like I a use, point per game player when he's healthy. So was Joffrey Lupul. But I don't think I don't, I don't think Joffrey Lupul was ever a point per game player. He was for a little while. No. Yeah, because he played forty games and he had forty points. There you go. <laughs> point per game player. Ah, see what I did there. Ah. But I don't think this is going to end well. Like I said. Usually old people who go down to Florida, they go to retire. I have a feeling that at the end of this, it's not going to end well for Mr. Joel Quenville. He'll be a hall, he'll get in the Hall of Fame because he's got his three Stanley Cups and was successful in Chicago, and that was his that was his thing. But usually, old men who go to, old people who go down to Florida, no disrespect to any old people, but usually when you go down to Florida, you're going down there to enjoy the hot weather and just retire on a beach. I'd like to do the same. Hopefully, one day we'll see. Um, the draft lottery also took place last night. A lot of things were happening last. A lot of moving parts. Oh yeah. Um, and we will work our way from the bottom up. The Montreal Canadiens will pick number fifteen. Fifteen's not bad. Cody Emmyware's fifteen, so fifteen's a nice little number. I'm okay with it. <laughs> expect. I did not expect them to to even move up. I one percent one percent chance that they get one 
ping pong ball into the giant drum. Although someone with the one percent chance did someone have a pretty did, good chance. And we'll get to them. Pretty good run. Um in order, fourteen Arizona, thirteen Florida, twelve Minnesota, eleven Philadelphia, ten Vancouver. Which is a huge drop. Which is big time drop for them. Anaheim at nine, Edmonton at eight. So Another they'll screw big that ass drop. So they'll screw up the pick at some point because they can't draft. They have nothing to surround Connor McDavid with. Connor McDavid will ask for a trade in about two years because he will get fed up and he'll end up in let's say Phoenix. Um, no, he won't. Somewhere he's going to get traded. Yeah, but he he'll have control over where he goes. He's not going. Hey, maybe he'll go to Phoenix. Maybe he'll go to well. Maybe he'll go to New York. I could, yeah. Call actually, it in now. I could, Maybe it's New York. Fuck, I could see that. There you go. Um, seven, the Buffalo Sabres. Six. Another big drop. Yeah. This is where shit started to get interesting because there were some drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, six, the Buff. Uh, sorry. Uh, six, the Detroit Red Wings. Five, the LA Kings. Those five and six. Four, big drops. Four, the Ottawa Senators. Oh, sorry. Nope. They don't have their pick. That belongs to the Colorado Avalanche. And that, though, for the Ottawa Senators was the best thing that could have happened because the most you could have fallen was three picks. You could have fallen to the fourth pick. Yeah. They fell to the fourth pick. And now you don't have – it's not Jack Hughes. Because now it's Brady Kachuk versus whoever they take it for, mm-hmm. not Brady Kachuk versus Jack Hughes. Yeah. And realistically, Brady Kachuk might be the better player over who they get at four, but we really don't know. But remember, what's a better situation to be in? To have your own draft pick. To not have traded for Matt Duchesne. Exactly. You knew this was coming. The team fell apart. You never had to do this. And you, you knew did. you were getting rid of Eric Carlson. Like, none of this made yeah. sense. So, uh, you're yeah. Anyways. Uh, number three, the surprise of it all. The Chicago Blackhawks. A huge The monster jump. jump. I thought for a second they were going to win. I thought so too. I thought I, I was just staring like this is gonna happen. It's yeah. gonna be Jack Hughes to take over for Dave Zakane. Didn't happen. Uh number two, the New York Rangers. And the number one pick belongs to for the second time and in the three second years. time that they've managed to jump way up. Yeah. The New Jersey Devils. I have a chance to draft Jack Hughes, but I'll bet you twenty bucks says they probably draft Capo Caco. Well, the last time they sh- everyone thought they were going to draft Nolan Patrick, they yeah. took Nico Heischer, and that worked out really well. Yes. So I would trust, not to mention, Ray Shiro. He built a pretty good team in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Now he was gifted the uh, a, a, a generational superstar. Yeah, and now he's been gifted two first overall picks. Yeah. Now I'm not It's the, a little different when you get, you get I'm not Crosby, big, Malkin, Stahl, and now he's going Heischer. I'm not a big Heischer fan. I, uh, I he's going to drop really down. He's just going to drop down to the second line because Jack Hughes is the real number one center. So we'll see what happens with Nico Heischer. He did have a down year this year. Injuries. He, uh, his the, the MVP who is his running mate being hurt like that. Yeah. yeah. But are we surprised about Taylor Hall ever being hurt? No. Taylor Hall is always hurt. There's always Taylor Hall is Ben Bishop. Okay, there, there's your comparison. Did you have Taylor Hall in fantasy. No, too? I've never drafted Taylor Hall because he's he always you? hurt. But instead, in turn, I draft Ben Bishop because I like to hurt myself when I need him the most. <laughs> but there you go. That is the guy that they compare it to. Always hurt all the time. Never healthy. But when he is healthy, he is a top player in the NHL. Like Ben Bishop is, could be a top goalie in the NHL. We saw that for that brief moment the there. 46 games this the year. The 46 games where he had it. He was looking like a real good goalie. And then sub he, two. Uh, I he had a say he, below two. Below That's two. That's what I said. Sub two. Below Goals against average. One nine something. One nine eight. Nine thirty four save. Yeah. 
Save percentage. Seven shutouts. Seven. Hurt when it mattered, though. Hurt when it mattered. What a surprise for Ben Bishop. Always hurt when it matters. But for the Devils, they get the first overall pick. For Ottawa, they don't have egg on their face, even though... They don't have the, as much egg on their face. No, no, they still have egg on their <laughs> yeah. face. They own they own a couple of picks. Like the good news is they're gonna own Columbus's picks, and Columbus is gonna be we're gonna make fun of Columbus next year when they're near the bottom of the stand. And the year after, because the year they're, after they're, when they're, they're near the bottom of the stand. Because I don't think Corpus is that good. We're gonna see. And, and Artemi Panarin to, is gone. The offense is about to lose. So when they lose Artemi Panarin, guess who's gonna also follow with having a down year? Cam Atkinson. Probably. And okay, and you, you gotta p- hope that Pierre Luc Dubois. I like Pierre Luc Dubois. No, but you gotta hope that without Artemi Panarin, he yeah. can continue to grow. Yeah, winging a prayer for some teams. Well, the draft will be what it is. Like for New York, this is a chance to. This is a huge. They get capital. Like this is a huge shot in the arm for their rebuild. This is massive yeah. for them. Although, I mean, this is also the team that traded away J.T. Miller for Vladislav Lemestikov. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, they also it was no. Sorry, they traded away J.T. Miller as a throw-in as part of the Ryan McDonough trade, which got them Vladis, Vla, Vladimir Vlad- Nemestikov or Vlad- Vladislav Nemestikov, who had like all of sixteen points this season because he wasn't playing with Stamkos and fucking Kucherov. Yeah. Well, could have told you that was gonna happen. I could have told you that. I knew it was happening. I dropped some. Stevie Y being a fucking ninja, and he just took advantage of Jeff Gordon. So yeah. watch Jeff Gordon could fuck this up and not take Capucaco. Probably will, and then Capucaco on the wing with Patrick Kane. Actually, it'd be really amazing if he somehow fell to that pick for Colorado, would, and it still looks bad. Oh, that'd, at be, that'd be amazing. That would be even funnier. <laughs> that would be the most. That but would that, actually be the most Ottawa can, thing. But the, but the thing is, that can happen. That's that's the thing. You never know what you know. That's true. These the the draft experts they're just they're just going based on scouting reports, but they're not at every game. I, I'm sure at this point some of these teams had intense, especially Colorado. I'm sure they were watching. Kapukaku is starting to make the type of rise that Patrick Line did yeah. in the Austin Matthews draft, where Austin Matthews was the guy the entire year, like Jack Hughes has been the entire year, and now all of a sudden, the thing that you don't get to see very often that's all far away looks really good. Yeah. The only thing I worry about. Jack Hughes a little bit because a lot of and it's it's hard not to it's hard not to to compare it to the draft class that a few years ago with Austin Matthews and Patrick Line. Yeah, but Austin Matthews is a six three if I'm not mistaken. He's a big boy. Okay, Jack Hughes isn't even six feet. Okay, centers in the NHL. Okay, Sidney Crosby might be. How tall? I'm gonna six look. foot, maybe. 5'10 to 6 foot. Okay. But Crosby's like, was touted from when he was a child. Generational kid. 5'11. So he's even shorter than Jack Hughes. I don't. I'm going to hold my judgment on it. But a lot of people are saying, oh, it's just as, it's the best draft class since the Austin Matthews and Patrick Lyon. I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes here well, a little no, bit. No, this is also, it's a heavy, it's a top loaded draft class. But after like the fifth pick, it kind of falls off the map. It's a, why a lot of teams are willing to trade their first round picks this year. It's a, it's a better defensive class. It's a top heavy class, no matter what. It's a defensive there's class. Not, yeah, but there's also not a lot of great. But you want to know something? Sometimes there are fine, you, you find serviceable players. Yeah, but, that's, but that's I'm not, this isn't going to be the type of draft because that Austin Matthews draft ended up being like Sebastian Ajo's draft. Like think about Ranted and all those guys that went. What year was that? It was between the Marner year and that year is where all these kids came. I know Alex DeBrinket went in the Marner year uh, because the Leafs could have drafted DeBrinket and they traded back twice. 
Austin Matthews, Patrick Lyon, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Jesse Poyarvi, bust. Oli Ulovin, Ulovin, bust. Matthew Kachuk, really good. Clayton Keller, one-year wonder so far. Alex well, Nylander, year. first year, second year. Nylander, nothing. not so great. Nylander's been a bust. Sergachev can't play defense. He's, yeah, he's pretty great. You're just... Oh, he can't play defense. He can't even make it. He's been healthy scratched half the year. Tyson Jones hasn't done anything. Logan Brown. Ottawa's still waiting on Logan Brown. Matthew McLeod. Or Michael McLeod. Jake Bean. He's a pretty good defensive prospect. Charlie McAvoy's been okay. He's a stud. Uh, Jacob Chikrin. He's pretty good, actually. Dante Fabro, who might play this in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this. that was a good – that was a – right? And then when you start getting into the second round – I don't think this is a bad draft class. Like, there's some. Sorry, I'm. I was just reaching on the scratch. Um, <laughs> there are some really good defensive prospects, and I think for some teams, <clears throat> Montreal, you might want to draft a left side defenseman, please, because right now you only have Alexei Romanov, you know, Alexander Romanov, and you have Victor Mete. No, oh. well, one other guy, Carl Osner. Who? Carl Osner. Never heard of him. Don't he know. Sits in the press box. No, he sits to enjoy yeah, popcorn. Actually, he sits in Laval. He has a stall in Laval, but he's a le- but he's a left shot defenseman, yeah, yeah, and you're left. already paying him yeah, almost he's got five two, million dollars. Two more years left, halfway there. We're going to play Bon Jovi halfway there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, All right. What's wrong? <laughs> no, no. I was just looking at the fantasy update. I thought someone got hurt, but no, the game just yet. got postponed. Not yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this will be. We'll we'll get cl- when the draft starts to work its way down. We'll break down more of this class and see what else is in this draft. Broberg. Arpin Basu, my boy, Arpin <laughs> from the Athletic was that was the pick that Montreal you can see Montreal getting, but there's also a defense, uh, a right winger from a city in Montreal called Montreal in Quebec. You in know Quebec that? called Montreal called Montreal. <laughs> yeah, and he happens to be six foot four and a winger and a hometown boy and a hometown boy. So I could see things happening. Anyways, uh, Louis LeBlanc, who. <laughs> Never heard of him. That's the last hometown boy. That was the last. Guillaume La Tendresse. Yeah, I love Guillaume. <laughs> Guillaume. I, Guillaume. I love the man. He's my favorite. I was gonna get one. one Guillaume of the gnome. Number eighty four. He was eighty four. Weird number. Anyways, um, the NHL playoffs about to start. So excited tonight. Tonight it starts. It kicks off. It's gonna be a heck of a time. We'll break down each of the series. Who we have winning potential upsets, and we'll just giddy up here. Uh, we'll start off in the West, though. We're going to do the West and Let's then work it. our way to the East. Uh, we will start with the Calgary Flames, as they, who were the number one seed, taking on the Colorado Avalanche in what should be a Calgary victory with all those weapons. Neither team has a goaltender. Neither team has a goaltender. So giddy up if you have if you have a playoff pool and you've taken all Calgary players. You're about to maybe win some games. I think Calgary's because of their lack of goaltending. Unless Mike Smith or David Riddick get really hot, they're going to have some issues. But because Colorado is quite literally a one-line team that doesn't have goaltending, I know it's funny. Philip Grubauer did this exact same thing with the Washington Capitals last year. Got hot down the stretch. Exactly. And then what happened when he started in the playoffs? He got shelled. Braden Holtby had to come in. And then the rest is history. The difference is Simeon Varlamov, he's not Braden Holtby. Hey, they were teammates at one point. But they're not the same. No. So what's going to happen is even if Calgary gets shelled, they have the depth to you know score right back much more so than Colorado yeah. because Colorado literally has one line. And 
it's amazing and all, but they started to slump down the year. Johnny Hockey, Elias Lindholm, and your boy Sean Monaghan, they didn't stop. If anything, they got better. Lindholm cooled down a little bit because his original pace was insane, but he was still phenomenal. Oh, and by the way, they have other guys that can do things too, so I'm going to take Calgary. I think this is probably going to be a little closer than it should be, considering how good Calgary was this year. Yeah. Because not having a goalie is kind of important. Yeah. I think for Calgary, this is for Calgary, if I'm picking a destination for Sergei Bobrovsky come free agency, Calgary's the team. Because they got money. They have the money. And how long can you rely on Mike Smith? How long can you rely on David Riddick? We've Big seen, save Dave? And we saw Big Save Dave <laughs> fall apart down the middle of the season. And Mike Smith isn't something to write home about either. And I'd be a little concerned in this series. This, I'm going to say it, potential. Okay, it's going to be a long shot. There's potential here to be an upset because of the fact of the goaltending of the Calgary Flames. Now they can score with they can score more than than Colorado because Colorado, as we as Stephen has mentioned, one line team. But the thing is in the playoffs, it's a different animal. That one line is going to play twenty five minutes. Yeah, a night. it's gonna it, they're gonna ride that line until it's it's dead until yeah. Colorado is dead and like until they're they're handed a death certificate that your playoffs <laughs> is over. They're going to ride that line because they are young, they are fast, and they're going to try and push the pace. Where Calgary is probably going to try and be physical with them, make it very uncomfortable for Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Gabriel Landeskog. Can Philip Grubauer be hot? Yes. He was hot down the stretch. He was, you know, top fantasy goalie down the stretch. But again, I've seen this it's, movie We've before. seen the movie before, and what will happen, who knows? I'm picking Calgary. Calgary is the pick here. But don't be surprised if at the end of the day that maybe Colorado pushes us to six games, seven games. And if Colorado has a chance to even win this series because of the goaltending, this Calgary goaltending is not going to win them a cup. They're not winning a Stanley Cup this year. They aren't my Stanley Cup pick for a reason. This goaltending is very poor. And they're lucky that they have all the offense. But sometimes in the playoffs, we see what happens with these high-powered offense teams is they get shut down in the playoffs because it's a different game. It's a different game. So both me and Steven, Calgary is the pick, but we can smell maybe a potential Yeah, upset. we can smell issues. Yeah. Uh, the other matchup in the Pacific Division, the San Jose Sharks taking on last year's Cinderella team, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Now, I had San Jose at our pre-preview. Is it San Jose-Tampa Bay final? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take that back because I don't see Tan- I don't see San Jose getting out of the first round. Martin Jones, we talked about the, uh, when I talked about San Jose getting there. It was well, they've added Eric Carlson, they have Brett Burns, these are two Norris Trophy winners. They still got a ton of offense, and I figured Martin Jones is one of the best goaltenders in the league. Mm-hmm. He has not been that this year. No, he is. He is a. I believe he finished the year with a sub nine hundred save percentage. He's been bad. And Vegas was chugging along. They were doing well. They were killing it. And then they added Mark Stone to that line with Stastny and Pacioretty. And that line wasn't there at all. And they made it the Stanley Cup final last year. And funny enough, Mark andre Fleury got hurt right before the end of the year. Convenient. 
but not really hurt. They just kind of held him out, saw the birth of his child, came back, played the last two games. Now he's fresh and ready for the playoffs. They don't overplay anybody. They're ready. And again, hey, the the Sharks still have Brent Burns. They still have Eric Carlson, who's been hurt. And, you know, when he played that All-Star game, when he had that groin injury and he probably shouldn't have, he hasn't really been the same since that happened. And that's when he looked like he finally got back to being Eric Carlson. A banged-up Sharks team versus a fully healthy, again, Vegas Golden Knights team that's rested, that's ready to go, that's better than they were last year. I don't even see this being a particularly long series. I see Vegas in five. I think that's where we, we're, we're going to differ here. This is the first differ pick. Because if there's a team that's ripe for the picking to be picked, look, you know what's the best time to make up for a bad regular season? The playoffs. The playoffs. You know what's the perfect time for Martin Jones to decide, hey, maybe I should be the, the goalie that, that was well, signed? Yeah, he could be Brad, He could and, be Braden Holpe from last year. And it could happen. I, and what I worry about with Vegas is them not scoring. I don't think that's the issue this year. Because once Mark Stone showed up, that team's been I on know, up. but the thing is, is that Mark Edward Vlasic is going to play a lot of minutes. Yeah. And I think San Jose is a harder building to play in than Vegas. I think it is. It is the hardest. There's a... They get a, for for a team in California. They get a they have a ridiculously raucous fan base. Yeah, so does Vegas. Yeah, but Vegas is just also glitz and glamour. That's San all. San Jose's nice and all. It's still Vegas. The Vegas flu is real. Yeah. Vegas is Vegas's home record pretty good over two seasons. Wow. <laughs> this is a thing. But remember where they lost last year, at home. Yeah, they in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. But I don't. I the thing is last year Vegas they have a they have a player on their team Las Vegas a guy who mysteriously always forgets how to score in the playoffs <clears throat> Max Pacioretty don't expect a lot of scoring from him this year in this playoffs <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that now but if I'm Vegas is dangerous I think this is a seven game series I've been saying it was a seven game series from basically when we knew Calgary was going to win the division and when these two teams knew they were going to be matching up against each other they were just jockeying for position. What I think will be the end up being the X factor will be the crowd. Will be San Jose. San Jose is very difficult to play in. I'm not writing off Vegas. This is a seven game series. I'm telling you that now. Okay? Because they still have to go for it, San Jose. I think San Jose is hungry to redeem themselves just as much as as, as Vegas is as well to redeem themselves. But I'm gonna take the San Jose Sharks here. I just think that. They will do just enough, and the acquisition of former Ottawa Senator Eric Carlson. We watched Eric Carlson carry that that Ottawa team. Okay, that was the Eric Carlson show. Yeah, he was the reason they we they even had a shot. And we also had half extra half a heel. Yeah, well the <laughs> heel doesn't have anymore. But I I can see this. Timo Myers, no one to sleep on in this. This series, they have, oh, they and Logan Couture is not a bad player. Still, Joe Pavelski is is not the Joe Pavelski from five years ago, but it's still Joe Pavelski. And who knows? Maybe we have a rejuvenation of playoff Jumbo Joe with the glorious beard. Maybe he'll be able to throw enough 
beard sauce on it. Beard, beard sauce. Beard sauce. Beard sugo. You know, what? Little, you know, like the oils. The beard sugo. You throw a little on it, it gets a nice and <laughs> nice and yeah. There you go, Ben. I have a beard. What are you yeah, talking? Beard about? sugo. Put it on, buddy. It'll f- f- change your fucking life forever. Okay. I have beard oil. Uh, there you go. Beard sugo. sugo. I call it sugo. sugo. Beard sauce. Jesus. It's sauce. Uh, on to the other, the Central Division matchups, the Nashville Predators, the number one seed in that division, taking on the Dallas Stars. I think this is going to be a fun one to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to beat the hell out of each other. Oh, yeah. Defensively, like, the funny thing is, is that you think of Dallas, you think of high scoring. They haven't been this year. They've actually been a button-down defensive I don't, team. I don't think of high school. I, that's that's the thing. I when I see Dallas, watching Dallas enough this year, no, no, are, but like generally, Jamie Ben, Alex Radulov, Tyler Sagan, <laughs> what they've been in past years, like that's what you think of. John Klingberg in past years, they were a go 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 team. Probably why they had so many problems overall. This year, they're completely different. Nashville's still really good, but they don't seem to be like ever since they lost that final to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They haven't looked the same, and Kyle Turris has been an abject disaster in Nashville. Overall, though, I think that Nashville team is deeper. Oh, the Nashville team is deeper, and the Nashville team actually needs to win a cup because if they don't win a cup this year, it's another year of Pecorina being older, another year that you don't have P.K. Subban on that on the deal before you have to start signing guys. And personally, Nashville should win this series. Can Dallas beat them? Yes, because Dallas has played a defensive game, and actually it's fit for the playoffs. Like this, this is a series. I, I'll give Nashville the edge, but this is one I can see going seven games. Yeah. And I can see a lot of these games being 2-1, 1-0. 3-2 is going to look like a shootout in this series. Yeah. This is the thing for Dallas. Dallas is, I've, I've watched a lot of Dallas games this year. Dallas plays a very defensive first system. That's why they don't score a lot of goals anymore. Because, yeah, it was fun playing 5-4 hockey. But here's the problem. That you can't do that in the playoffs. That running gun, fun Regular season style does not transition well to the playoffs. And Dallas is sort of built. They have good defense. They have a good defensive core. And they have Ben Bishop. And Ben Bishop is no slouch of a goalie. And in the playoffs, special teams matter a lot more. Mm -hmm. Nashville's power play is awful. Which makes no sense. Awful, because all they do is fire it back. They have unbelievable defensemen, but those defensemen pound the puck into the boards more often than anyone else. Again, I think Nashville's going to win. I think this is going to be a long series. I think this one's going to be a brutal series. And the winner, I don't know how far they're going to be able to go in the playoffs. I think both of these teams have the type of issues that are going to prevent them from winning a cup. I think this is going to be a hell of a series to watch, though, because it's going to be a war. But I don't know. I'm going to ride with the Nashville Predators. I just think that what might kill Dallas is the lack of depth on their team. Now, they do have Matt Zuccarello, who I think is going to be ready for the playoffs or is ready. He's been playing, so he'll be ready for the playoffs. And, you know, he's a playoff performer. He was in New York. They have Radulov. Radulov gets up for playoff games. 
Ironically, Jamie Ben's built for the playoffs. Ironically, former Nashville Predator Alexander Radulov matching up with yeah. the Nashville Predators in a series, which would be pretty fun. It would be it would be so you funny. Nashville's like that crowd's got some great chance. With you know they're going to oh, get yeah. on him in some yeah. hilarious way. Yeah. So can Dallas win this series? Yes. Can can Dallas push Nashville with the defense? Yes. But I'm going to give Nashville the slight edge here, just based on the depth that they have. Just a little more depth up front than uh, than Dallas, and defensively, I say defense is a tie. Goaltending, I Goal, give it to Dallas. Goaltending, I give to Dallas I don't think a little bit be enough to win the series, and that's and and that's where and head coach is, I say a bit of a wash because it's. Peter Laviolette's done a lot more in his history yeah. than I believe it's John Montgomery in Dallas. Yeah, John Montgomery's year. been a pretty good coach. Yeah, so we will see what happens, but I'm just going to give Nashville. The slight edge here in this series. Uh, moving on to the other matchup and the final matchup in the Central, the Winnipeg Jets hope, uh, taking on the St. Louis Blues. Now, this is where I think I might uh, differ from you a little bit. Jets have been good all year. But recently, they've been really struggling. They don't look like the same team. Connor Hellebuck doesn't look like the same goalie. Then there's St. Louis, who at one point was in dead last, and at the All-Star break was 15 points behind their first-round opponent. Who they passed? They, Doug Armstrong, their GM, added a lot of veteran players. Took a long time for that team to mesh. Ryan O'Reilly, Tyler Bozak, new guys. Long time for them to all kind of get together. And Jordan Binnington comes out of nowhere. And now you're riding the hot hand into the playoffs. I think this is going to be... I I don't... I think this is going to be a really fun one to watch. But I think St. Louis is going to take this. I think it's going to freak a lot of people out in Winnipeg because they were supposed to go to the Stanley Cup final. They were supposed to be better after losing to Vegas last year. Line A's taking a step back. I know everyone's talking like, oh, now he plays a better, like, by the end of the season, he was playing a better overall game. And Patrick Line needs to score goals for this team to be good. Mark Shifley's unbelievable, and so is Blake Wheeler. But so is Vladimir Tarasenko, Alex Petrangelo, Colton Perenko. This like the, the defenses on these teams. When you the, look at the names on these teams, the thing is, I always look at St. Louis, and it's always that team that never lives up to this billing. This is they never, they never do. And you and what? And they look like they were dead in the water, and yeah. now and th- this could be the year. Now I don't think it's a year that they win a Stanley Cup, but this could be the year that St. Louis starts to exercise a few of the demons. Because they went on a run that made them the best. Like, in the second half of the season, after the All-Star break, they were the best team in the NHL by a pretty wide margin. They're feeling it going into this playoffs. And Winnipeg's on the exact opposite side. They slumped hard finishing the year. And I think that's what's going to do it. I think think St. Louis is going to be able to beat the Jets in this series. I think this this also though might be the most entertaining 
This will be the most entertaining in, in the series. playoffs. Like in the first, sorry, in the in the first round, mm-hmm. this might be the most entertaining one to watch. Yeah, because just start going through some of the names, man. <laughs> like, and it's not just oh, the forwards are. good. Look at the decors on these teams. Oh, I know. I think one of the big things. My last little point here on this matchup. I think one of the huge things for Winnipeg. Josh Morrissey. He was a massive part of that team, and he's supposed to be back doing his thing already. Dustin Bufflin came back before he is. That's a huge loss. He's the guy that not a lot of people talk about, but he quietly plays 25 minutes a night against the other team's best players and allows guys like Jacob Truba or Dustin Bufflin to wander, to go for a little skate, to walk the dog. He allows that to happen, and without him... And it's funny, during that slide, you know who was missing during Winnipeg's slide? Josh Morrissey. That's my little timbit for that series. I think St. Louis is going to win it. I think Josh Morrissey not being there is probably the biggest thing. He's going to play, it sounds like. But I think him not being what he was early in the season is really going to hurt Winnipeg. Here's my thing with Winnipeg. And here's my thing with St. Louis. I'll start with St. Louis. I don't trust Jordan Biddington. Fine, he's been hot down the stretch, and it's been a great story for the rookie goaltender. But St. Louis never does anything in the playoffs. Ever. They're always, like, when they got to that, that they went on that little run, it was nice, and they, they beat Chicago along the way and got all the way to the conference finals, but still, you know, short. And they did make a lot of moves this offseason, giving up a first-round pick for Ryan O'Reilly, going to sign Tyler Bozak. This decor, yeah, you know, you mentioned Alex Petrangelo, Colton Perenko, Vincent Dunn. Joel Edmondson. Joel Edmondson. for and, them. But this decor in Win- Winnipeg did get a boost when, when Dustin Bufflin finally came back. And the goaltending is where it's a bit of a – you don't know because this is going to be Jordan Biddington's first playoff series. Jordan Biddington this year is what Connor Hellebuck was last year. Yeah. Now, in the playoffs, lots of things change. And there's always guys who step up. One, Patrick Laine, who will need to step up. I could up. see him having a big playoff. Though. He can have I could the, see him, like, even though I think they're going to lose, I could see him having a big first round. And when I look at it, and I picked Winnipeg at the beginning of the season to go all the way to the Cup Finals and... I had a draft last night where I picked a couple of Winnipeg players. I'm 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 in on Winnipeg to go to the finals, and I'm here on Winnipeg to win this series. It's going to be a long. There's another one, okay? Long series, seven games, six to seven games. It's going to be tough, but I think the firepower on Winnipeg is better than the firepower on St. Louis. Remember, St. Louis still has Alex Steen on their team. Never says ever healthy, and I don't. I I just can't see St. Louis winning this series. I just don't see Jordan. If Jordan, if Jordan Minion proves me wrong, hey, he proves me wrong. But I'm riding with Winnipeg in this series. It's going to be six, seven games, and it'll be a fun series to watch. Oh hell yeah! And, oh hell yeah! This is going to be a good one. And who knows what happens along the way? Uh, over to the Eastern Conference. 
we will start. We'll do a little differently. <laughs> we'll start with, <laughs> let's say. Oh, I have a feeling. You're either going to start with this or you're going to save this one for last. I'm going to save one this, this one for last because it's, it's it. too good to I not. Fucking knew you it. have to. Anyways, um, the President's Trophy champions, winners, all these fun things. The Tampa Bay Lightning will host the Columbus Blue Jackets. I want the Blue Jackets to do well because of Yarmo Kekalainen going all in. I really do. Five for Tampa. Three. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, Wave the white flag. I, I want to see them do better than they're gonna than I think they're gonna do. Goalie Bob's history in the playoffs, not to mention, you know, he might he might pull the parachute here. Artemi Panarin pulled the e-break a month ago. Yeah, I know. He stopped giving a yeah. fuck a long yeah. time ago. Why did he have to score the winner though in New York? In the shootout. Could have just let it could have shot it wide. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. But you know what I mean? Like this is Columbus is look, supremely talented. I love everything that Yarmo Kekalainen did. Tampa Bay is an unstoppable force. They're ridiculous. Jeff Merrick says this all the time about Tampa. In previous years, they always made the extra cutesy little pass, and that's maybe where you could take advantage. And this year, it's no, no, no. no. It's you make the one pass on net goal. Like, they're not fucking around Tampa this year. If if there was any pressure on Tampa, it's this year. There is no excuses anymore. No. If and, this team, if this the, team does the not contracts you have coming up after this year, and Stevie Wise not there to work his ninja magic anymore, look, this has to be a Stanley Cup for Tampa. If it is not a Stanley Cup, everybody's at fault, top to bottom. I don't care, except for Stevie Wise because he's done. Except for Stevie Wise because he's on a different island. He tried. Okay, everybody. Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Andre Vasilevsky, Victor Hedman, Victor Hedman, John Cooper. Everybody is at fault. Okay. Yeah. If they do not, if they, if they allow Columbus to hang around in this series, it's a dangerous game to play. If Columbus gets any kind of hope, because they're a good team. We talked about who they added. What they like, they were a good team before they added Matthew Shane, Ryan Dezingle, and well, the defenseman they added and Adam McQuaid's kind of useless, but whatever, he's there. Holy Bob's a Vesna candidate usually. Panarin, if when he's motivated, is unfucking believable. But Tampa is too good. That's just kind of my analysis for this. Look, the one thing that would that scares me a little of uh, about Tampa is the curse of the President's Trophy. The 27-2018 President's Trophy winners in the Nashville Predators. Out in the second round. The 2016-2017 Washington Capitals, out in the second round. The, f- the previous year before that was the Capitals, out in the second round. The Rangers of 2014-2015, lost in the conference finals. Pretty sure to this Tampa team, actually. If I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. I yeah. believe it was this Tampa team. The 2013-14 Boston Bruins, out in the second round. The 2012-2013 Chicago Blackhawks, were the last team. To do it. And it was a shortened season. So there is pressure. And that President's Trophy doesn't always guarantee. We saw San Jose for the longest time. Oh, God, yeah. Those Washington teams. And I told you back a couple weeks ago that I had this weird feeling about this Tampa Bay team. 
that they remind me they have all the pieces of a certain other team that was like this. And it was the Washington Capitals. That's funny, yeah, because la- the year that the Washington Capitals were supposed to win, they didn't. And then last year, they weren't <laughs> supposed to win because they had lost all the guys. Kind of in the way that Tampa's about to lose a bunch of guys. Yeah. That's basically what happened to Washington. Tampa should win this series walking away clean. Tampa should win the fucking Stanley Cup this year. Okay. And it shouldn't really be close. Anything short of a Stanley Cup, you're a disappointment. I don't care. You have to win the Stanley Cup. There's no excuses anymore. Tampa's the excuse- so good, they really shouldn't go more than six games in the, any series. The excuses are over. But never forget, this is the same team that lost, that blew, that, that gave up the 3-2 lead to the Washington Capitals. That did Sa- also happen last e- year. Exact same teams. And they didn't score a single goal in those two elimination in those two potential elimination games. Not one. No Nikita Kucherov, no Steven Stamkos. No Victor Hedman, no J.T. Miller, no Andre Pallott. Nobody. Nobody scored in those games. If they allow the Columbus Blue Jackets to hang around, they're going to lose. It has to be four games. If this series goes more than four, if it even goes to six, you're you're going to lose in the second round. I don't care who they're playing in the second round. They'll lose to them. Calling it now. On to the other number one seed. The Washington Capitals taking on those jerks <laughs> or a bunch of jerks, whatever you want to call them. That's going to be a fun series, The too. Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, this is going to be a fun uh, one. My gripe with this series is the goaltending of the I, – I, I don't think the goaltending is going to survive in this series. I, I think it's been I don't, awesome that Carolina has gotten to where they've gotten. God bless Curtis McElhinney and Peter, Peter Mrazek. It's been a nice run. Enjoy it. You guys shouldn't have got here, but you did. Yeah. You know, you brought playoff hockey back to rally. Yeah. Even though no one really seems to care. Yeah, when you're ranked in the bottom third of the league in your attendance. Yeah. And your owner seems to care more about the AAF. That's been expanded. Yeah, that was that was great. They've been a great story. But the way that this goalie tandem is going to work, where one of them's going to play, and then if they don't, you're going to stick the other one in as like a let's hope this happens kind of th- you know what i mean yeah. so we both have washington here yeah i give i give carolina one game one game they're going to win here curtis McElhaney or peter Morazic, whoever is playing yeah it's not good we'll have a miraculous one game and then we'll get shelled in the next game yeah okay so washington yep okay good uh the other two series in the metro the new york islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, you can say goodbye to the uh, Cinderella story of the New York Islanders. I know Pittsburgh's had plenty of issues. I know that they're probably pretty tired. You know, win back-to-back Stanley Cups, go to the playoffs last year. I cannot see this because you want to talk about goalie tandems again. They had a great regular season. God bless Lou and, you know, Barry Trotz who won a Stanley Cup with Washington, all that great stuff. How do the New York Islanders beat the Pittsburgh Penguins? Can you draw me a roadmap of how this is even possible? You go up, you go down, up, 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 down. Pray you score a goal. Hope that Sidney Crosby doesn't score. Series win. But you got to do that for seven games. Good luck. Yeah, and Matt Barzell has to put the entire franchise on his back. Look, Matt Barzell's had a down year. 
this New York team doesn't score a lot of goals. They play defense, but they don't score a lot of goals. And Pittsburgh is motivated, oh, yeah. to say the least. After And I'm sure Barry Trotz would love a shot at his old team oh, hell in yeah. the second round, but it's not going to happen. going to get there. And I believe that Pittsburgh is going to five, six games this series. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's going to be particularly okay. close. If, if there was, look, everybody was saying it. This Islanders team is 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 right for the picking. They were one of the they were another team that struggled down the stretch of the season, shut out a bunch of times. Because they cannot score. Okay, Matt Barzell has nobody. That is why they're going to try and go and sign He's Artemi got Panarin. Anders Lee. Yeah, they're going to try and sign Artemi Panarin next year. Yeah, and pray to God that you can pair him with Barzell, and then you can score some more goals. But you're still going to have problems because you have no depth, and that's the other problem with this New York team. They don't have a lot of depth. That fourth line that like. Matt Martin, Casey Zekis, and that's Cal Colorblood. That's not even the fourth line anymore because now they got like Kunakle yeah. and Leo Komarov. And well, after fourth line, I'm using, I'll use air quotes then. They have two fourth lines. Yeah. And, they kind of have three. And they're going to try. They kind of have and, three. And having home ice advantage, yeah, okay, you're going to go up and you're going to try and ride. Sydney, look, Sidney Crosby is going to carry the team. Sidney Crosby is going to be the best oh, player yeah, in this series. Oh, by the way, then you have Geno and yeah. Phil. Yeah. And- the mysterious Geno injury has dis- since disappeared. Again. He's healthy again. Ready to go for the playoffs. Exactly. As it usually happens. In the final series. Because, hey, I know how much Steven has looked forward to this I, one. I'm already sick. We already had the conversation. I'm already nervous. I'm sick. And the game is until tomorrow. Yeah. Steven's a little nervous. Well, this will be posted on Thursday. So when you're listening to Steven, it'll be, it'll be Thursday for Steven. And, uh, and I'll, have, I'll probably be pacing by the time you listen to this. But the Boston early. Bruins, for the second year in a row, will host the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now the Toronto Maple Leafs are a little bit of a different team from last year. They have John Tavares. They don't have Tyler Bozak anymore. They don't have Leo Komarov anymore. But they have some other players. And Boston... Pretty much the same team that they were. Just added a couple of extra pieces here and there. They got Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want me to? Do, do you want me to like set this all up? The the Boston Bruins have um have, have, have sort of beaten the Leafs up a little bit over yeah, the last. And last year the Leafs swept the Bruins in the regular season, like the Bruins did to the Leafs this year. And then what happened in the playoffs? Here's the thing. Logically. Hang on, I'm going to shut my microphone off. I'm going to let Steven take this part away, okay? Logically. Based on last year, based on the improvements made to the team, the Toronto Maple Leafs should be able to win this series, even though they're on the road. You got the seven games, and Tuka Rask and Freddie Anderson were basically just trying to give it away to each other. In Game 7. And Boston won. Okay? And you lost James Van Riemsdyk, and you lost Tyler Bozak, and oh, by the way, you added John Tavares. Freddie's been better this year than he was last year. He had a bad stretch. Then he played well at the end of the year, which is all I can ask. The last two games of the season. Morgan Riley's had a just a breakout like you wouldn't believe. i got a feeling Jake Gardner is a little motivated to put the worst game of his life behind him. Travis Dermott's a year older. You, 
Austin Matthews has signed his contract and looked like a man possessed. He's playing on another level. Mitch Marner has taken a, not just a step, he's taken a galactic leap forward in what he is. William Nylander needs to score some goals, but every other thing he's done has been really good in the last month and a half. This team should win. They also didn't have Nazem Kadri for two games. Three. They should win. I am a Leafs fan. Actually, better way to put this. I'm a Toronto sports fan. I've seen some shit. Okay? So there's just this little voice just sitting here telling me that it's... it's not only is it going to be bad, it's going to be spectacularly bad. Everyone who sits here and, like, because you heard this all season, the Leafs aren't strong enough, they're not tough enough, they don't have enough grit. They're better than they were last year. This is a deeper team than Boston. They should win. Again, though, the damaged Toronto sports fan in me looks at this and I'm afraid that it's going to be Bruins in five. Realistically, this series is probably going seven because that's the type of torture that's going to happen to me. The Leafs should be able to beat this Bruins team. Tukarask wasn't that good this year. You know who their best goalie was? Yaro Halak. Boston's got one line that's phenomenal. And then every other line, the Leafs should have an advantage. Because the Bergeron line's probably going to play what? Tavares' line? Okay, cool. You know what? Because you got Brad Marchand and David Pasternak, I'll give you the advantage in that line. Because Marner and Tavares are great, but Matt Hyman's the other guy. Zach Hyman's the other guy. Okay? So I'll give you the advantage there. Austin Matthews' line should be able to destroy David Krejci's. And then if you want to start talking about Johansson and Uyghur and the other guys versus Kadri and, and Marlowe and Kapanen, please, for my sanity, please, just <laughs> I need a win here. I need them to win in the first round and advance I would like them to win, but they're going to play Tampa, and we are, we've are we had this conversation about what Tampa is. However, you know, there's this history of Tampa, of not Tampa, of President's Trophy teams losing in the second round, but I can't even get excited about that because I have to deal with it right in front of me. That was fun. No, for you. For me, it's fun. I, you know what? I get to sit back and uh, enjoy it all. Here's the thing, Okay. The Toronto Maple Leafs cannot allow themselves to get pushed around by the Boston Bruins. They cannot allow themselves to get out of their game. Okay? Yeah, don't try and be as physical as they are because no. the Nazem Kadri is going to get suspended there's a, again. There's a difference between being f- like Phys- being physical and hard to play against. And hard to play against. Tampa's hard to play against. Yes. And Toronto needs to be that. Toronto needs to be that against Boston because... 
like you mentioned, that first line, that first line's insane for the for the Boston Bruins. They might be the best line in hockey. Okay, and I'd go short to say they probably are the best line in hockey. It's like right now, it's probably them and that Calgary line, and I'd still give it to Boston. Yeah, because they also and I hate them. Let's just get this. Let's establish this right now. I have no love for the Boston Bruins. That is the best line in hockey. It is because it can be a shutdown line, and it's also going to beat your brakes off offensively. And for Boston, they roll with three third lines, I'm going to call it, really, that just try to, they're going to try and beat the crap out of you. Night in and night out, that's what the Boston Bruins do. That's the way the Boston Bruins have been built forever. Every team has a certain style they play, and that's the style the Bruins have played for so long, and it has been a successful one. Okay, for the most part, successful. They've only won one cup, but what one cup to show for in the last how many ever years? But that's that's the thing here. For the Leafs, they should watch some game film from a semifinals from a few years ago when the Montreal Canadiens played a Boston Bruins team. A lot of the same players, Duke Rask, all these guys. Montreal played their game. They didn't allow the Boston Bruins to push them around. The Toronto Maple Leafs can't allow the Boston Bruins to push them around. The Toronto Maple Leafs, this is why they went to get John Tavares. Yeah, to this the, specific matchup. This, not just this match. Like, this is the first of, of many things. For the Leafs, they have to execute some demons. All right? And you know, you know tomorrow night on Sportsnet and whatever other, and TSN and all these sports channels that are that will be playing this game, they are going to show two moments over and over and over and over again. Which I wish could be deleted from okay? the history of the world. One of them specifically. Not even going to mention them. We're not even, like, I'm just saying, that's the moments they're going to play. And for the Leafs, they're going to have to drown the noise out. Play their game. The best player in this series cannot be named Bergeron, Pasternak, or Marchand. It has to be named one guy. It's one guy who has to be the best player in this series. And his name is Austin Matthews. Yeah. It is put up or shut up time. Okay? If the Leafs don't Win this series, serious questions need to be asked within the organization because you can't keep taking the square peg and trying to pound it into a round hole. It is not going to work. And number one on who I have questions for if they lose is Mike Babcock. Yes. Mike, hello? You have three lines, Mike. You have two first lines. If Austin Matthews plays less than 20 minutes in any game that doesn't involve some just absolute stupidity where for some reason the Leafs are shorthanded for two periods, I'm going to have to go down to the Scotiabank Arena. I have to knock on a door. Move the mic. And I'm going to want some answers. Yeah. Okay. I don't need no line matching. I don't want to see no bullshit. You can roll three lines. I don't care if Frederick Gauthier plays three total minutes in seven games. I don't. Roll your top lines. 
let your best players play. And so help me God, if I see the GOAT trying to defend a lead or with a minute left in a period on the ice, I'm going to burn something down. Just don't burn the studio down, please. Look, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have the depth up front. Their forward depth, much better than the Boston Bruins. Where I give the Bruins the advantage is on defense. And I give them the advantage in goal just because if Tuka Rass struggles in game one or two, Yaro Halak can come in and do the same thing. That's the thing. But I don't see Tuka Rass struggling in this series. And I don't see and and I don't see Frederick Anderson. I think this is going to be a tough series. It is seven games without a question. This series is seven long and agonizing games for you, Stephen Artabello, for Steve. Leaf fans, for everybody. Stephen's going to come in. He's going to need 18 cups of coffee to get his body moving. I'm not going to have slept. But, but, at the end of the week or day or this series, whatever you want to, analogy you want to use, the Toronto Maple Leafs will execute a demon that has burdened this franchise forever. And forever is like 10 years. So I think that's how long it's been. And they will slay the Boston Bruins in seven games, get over a hump, win a series with this core group of players because you have to win a series with this group of players, with Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, and even Riley. They're all a part of it. They need to, they need, 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 I, I cannot stress it enough to slay this, or there is going to be a lot of questions, and it'll be a very long off season in Toronto, and it'll last forever. And it'll feel like it won't end until next year's playoffs, where who knows, you could play the Boston Bruins again. They need to get over this hump. Goddamn division. I'm sorry, I, I playoff look. matchup. It's it's this is the way unfortunately it is. It sucks. It's not fun. But for the Boston Bruins, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, this is this is probably gonna be the best series of the first round, I think. And for Toronto, it's it's time. Enough of the bullshit. All right. I don't like either organization. I don't like either fan base. Okay? But enough of the bullshit. You have to win Toronto. There's no more excuses. There is there is no more excuses. This is what it's all led up to. You have to win this series. And that's at the end of the day. We'll see what happens. Are you taking I'm, I'm assuming as a Leaf fan, you are taking the Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. You don't sound that's like a Yeah, you sound like Eeyore. Yeah. I'm taking the Leafs. Remember last year it was like yelling about exercise. Exercise the demons, the demons slay the dragon! Ah! Scream like a banshee. Yeah. yeah. That didn't work out very well. Didn't work out too well. We'll see what happens. The playoffs will be fun. It's a long two months, Stephen. Oh, fun. Buckle yeah. up. Fun. For me, I got nothing to buckle up. But I want to end this show by fun. I, I want to do one thing, and I, I, I forgot to do it, but I have to do it. I just want to thank the Montreal Canadiens for not making my season miserable this year watching them. It was a lot of fun. Ups and downs, ebbs and flows, heartbreak. I'm glad they got as many points as they did. I didn't think they were going to do it. 
didn't think it would be like this. I didn't think they were going to get I said compete. I didn't think they compete this well, that they were down basically to the final game, having an, a chance to go to the Stanley Cup playoffs, a chance in the dance as number 16 seed, basically. But they got all the way to the, that point, and Carey Price looks like Carey Price again. He's got a little bit of his, his mojo back, and the team seemed to gel more. It seemed more like a team. It seemed more fun to to be a Montreal Canadian. It seemed more fun to be a Habs fan because, man, that atmosphere is like when it's, it's spring in Montreal is amazing. Okay. And I'm not talking about spring outside, I'm talking about spring inside the Bell Center. But thank you for the ride and thank you for giving me that little tidbit at the end of Ryan Paling scoring three goals and a shootout winner in what was Bob Cole's final game, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Bob Cole they called his last game on on Saturday, the Montreal-Toronto game. Fitting enough, original six matchup, historic rivals, all that nonsense. But for Bob Cole, one of the best of all times. And my favorite Bob Cole moment is still the Joe Sackett goal in 2002 when they oh, went and when they yeah. when they won the gold. Canada won the gold medal for the first time in 50 years. It's probably my favorite call of him. Great. Bob Cole. Bob Cole's the goat. My second favorite call is Ryan Paling shootout winner. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, Bob Cole officially retired. It's good. I wish we would get Bob Cole a little in the playoffs. I feel like we're owed Bob Cole in the playoffs one last time. But I'm I'm glad that he went out on on a good note in a, in a game that yeah you know was basically a shitty matchup between two teams really just playing having fun out there, but. It was nice to hear his call, and he's he's so perfect. And some of these new play-by-play guys should take a page out of Bob Cole's notebook and maybe talk a little less and let the game just do what it has to do and let it speak for itself. That's what I'm, that's all I'm going to say about Bob Cole. And thank you, Montreal, for making it a memorable one. Appreciate it. <laughs> Even though Stephen didn't believe. I believed! <laughs> No, but but believe it all. We will uh, we'll touch on the playoffs. We'll see how uh, Stephen if Stephen hasn't jumped off a cliff by next week. I hope he doesn't because these podcasts are fun, and I hope you enjoy them and hope you subscribe to them. Uh, whether it's on Anchor, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, we hope you subscribe. Five stars. Leave us a comment if you want. Let us know what you think of this great podcast. And until next time, I am Angelo Lippa. I'm Steve Artabello. And you enjoy the playoffs and all the craziness that is about to happen. Stephen might rip his hair out by the end of this all. But See take ya. care. Just put the rollie right back on my wrist. This watch came from Drizzy, gave me a gift. Back when the rap game was praying like this. To act like two legends cannot coexist. But I never beef with a nigga for nothing. If I smoke a rapper, it's gonna be legit. It won't be for clout, it won't be for fame. It won't be cause my shit ain't selling the same. It won't be to sell you my latest little sneakers. It won't be cause some nigga slid in my lane. Everything grows.